DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Joan Wester Anderson, who's been a freelance writer and public speaker for almost 30 years. Her 15 books include the New York Times bestseller, Where Angels Walk, and Where Wonders Prevail. And she's a popular guest on radio and television talk shows. With Joan Wester Anderson, we go inside the pages of An Angel to Watch Over Me and Angelic Tales, published by Loyola Press. Joan, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for asking me again. (laughs) It would be one thing if we could just talk about one or two particular works, books that you have on the angels, but there's so many books that you have, and they're so wonderful. It's difficult to to narrow it down to just one, so I thought we could talk about a whole host of uh, different stories that kind of give us a good flavor of the special relationship you have with those angels. Oh, well, thank you. I never expected to have a special relationship with them um, because probably from the time I was 10 or 12 on, angels really weren't a part of much of anything in my life. You know, you read about them, and it's nice, and it's peaceful and friendly, and glory to God on Christmas night and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But but it never really was um, a specific part of my life as a Catholic until one of my sons had an experience that just kind of shocked us all. He was rescued, and it takes a long time to explain it, but Mm -hmm. it was um, every mother's nightmare when you have a a child that's out on the road somewhere. We all know what that's like, and then you add freezing cold weather and middle of the night and nobody anywhere. And Anyway, he was rescued by a tow truck driver, Mm -hmm. and when he turned around to pay this man, uh, at the end of the man's good deed and my son's gratitude, there was nobody there. There was no truck there. There was no kindly man there. There was absolutely nothing at all except my son in his car mm-hmm. and and his uh, friend, which was kind of a blessing because at the time we didn't realize that I would be writing about this. Um, it took seven or eight years before I finally dawned on me that that might have been an angel, uh, that rescuer. And so I just I, I just never really considered it until that happened. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to stop writing, I had gotten to the point where I didn't feel I was changing the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just go and get a regular job. So I went back to college to finish. And I wasn't thinking about angels at all until this happened. And then I thought, well, I'm going to write a book if I can find more stories like this. Um, I'm just going to write it as a thank you to God for saving my son. And then I'll go on and, you know, go to college and do normal things. And mm-hmm. as it turned out, the book became a New York Times bestseller. And for me, being an ordinary writer with without much of anything credible, uh, you know, just, just the ordinary stuff that everybody does, um, I had never thought about going any higher than that. So, you know, when I look back, I think you didn't really think about much, did you, Joan? You just, <laughs> you know, did this 
wonderful story and went looking around for other people. And that was the hardest part, was finding people, not that had stories, but finding people that were willing to share them. That book, the title is Where Angels Walk. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing it the first time and just being drawn into all the different experiences that people had. And the thing about angels is that, especially for Catholics, we profess in our creed that we believe in things visible and invisible. Yes, I say that all the time to the children that I speak to. Um, They do the creed every Sunday, like we all do. And I said, did you ever stop and think, what is the invisible world? Mm-hmm. And I think they get goosebumps after a while because it's all around us, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think in some cases, though, we fail to give the angels their due when we fail to acknowledge their unique existence. What I mean by that is that sometimes we have this idea, maybe it's just a false formation, that somehow when we die, humans, we die, we become angels. Yes, and that's so wrong. And Uh I've spent a lot of time trying to explain that. And, you know, part of it is Hollywood that kind of dresses up these movies and makes them appear as if, you know, you go to heaven, you die, you become an angel, and then you go back to earth and do good works. And this is not the Catholic teaching at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, usually I try to explain that right off the bat um, before I do anything else because so many people um, are just turning into, well, kind of tuning into um, what's going on today, and yet they do have that false, as you said, the false formation. That's a perfect way to look at it. Yeah, it's not that their their thinking is necessarily bad. It's just that they haven't had the instruction. Exactly. And we do want them off on the right foot when they begin to realize what's going on in that silent world, um, because the world becomes an active place. It, It really does. My first thought on angels was wings and halos, and maybe they occasionally keep us from falling off a bridge or something like Mm -hmm. that little painting. But the angels in Scripture, and they are mentioned over 300 times, so they're a vital part of our life here. Um, The thought that we have a being around us all the time in, in a guardian angel mode is something that most people have never really thought about. And I remember talking to Mother Angelica once about that, and she said, wouldn't it be sad if we got to heaven and that was the first time we ever met our angel. We had never had a conversation with him or anything. Mm. And, you know, I thought, wow, I almost missed that all myself. Mm. Wow. Well, her her name is Angelica. Yes. So, (laughs) Mother Angelica, thank you once again for wisdom. She is really something, isn't she? Oh, she is. I and pray for her every day. Mm-hmm. One yeah. of those puzzles, you know, why me? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about me now, but so often, you know, the really, really good people are the ones whose lives become sacrificial for the rest of us. And the, a living witness to faith. Yes. She really is. She's one of those living witnesses. And her r- relationship with the angels, of course, she would 
when we talk about the different angels, she has a, this great love for all the nine choirs. And mm-hmm. that's, that's another thing there. I mean, they're not really levels, are they, Joan? They're just, no. they're, they're differences within it's the angelic realm. Divisions, um, it really is a better explanation for that. And the top three are the holy, holy, holy gang, kind of, as I call them. They, their uh, life or their being is to worship the mm-hmm. Lord. And, a lot of times, you know, the kids will think, wow, I don't think I want to go to heaven because that's all you do is sit around and pray. So I usually ask them if they've ever had a day or an hour, something that was so wonderful that they almost got tears. Mm-hmm. And what one child said to me once, I get tears in my stomach. I just thought mm-hmm. that was so... But if you've ever had a time like that, and they all have, I'll say that's what it's like in heaven all the time. So certainly we want to be there with our angels. And um, it just, I guess you have to spell things out a little bit for all of us because it's hard to understand right off the bat that we've got this much of ourselves in heaven always. Mm. Well, when we talk about angels, and particularly those that you chronicle in the in the stories that you so beautifully share, and that we just can't get enough of. Oh, thank you. But when we when we hear those, would you say that those are actions primarily of the guardian angels? Well, I used to think that, but um, I've I've been educated through the different um, ways in which angels come, and the different ways in which people explain them. Um, some of it is kind of curious and a little on the odd side, but mm-hmm. I always think back to um, St. Bernadette when Mary told her to go to the um, dirt and rub it in, in her face or drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember that startled look on um, Jennifer Jones's face when she was taking the role of Bernadette mm-hmm. and, and thinking, what what is this and why do I have to do this? And it is a little odd sometimes when people have experiences with angels, but most of the time it's a day, it's kind of like just what would happen in your ordinary day if a friend came along. Mm-hmm. And if the friend gave you a little piece of advice or maybe said, look out, uh, because you weren't paying attention to something, um, you could almost just explain it that way, that you don't sense something very holy sometimes until way later. Um, the, the event goes on, whatever it happens to be, and most of the time people are not aware that there's something awesome here. It's not until later, and then they begin to look back with our rational minds and we think, wait a minute, where did that guy go, or how could this have happened? And My son went through this for a month before he told anyone what had happened, because he thought for sure he could figure it out. And then finally when you're up against a a wall and you think, no, I cannot find any solution for this at all except a spiritual one. And then you you move on to part two, I call it, which is the questioning, why me? Um, How come this wonderful thing would happen to me? I'm just an ordinary person. Mm -hmm. And... um, that's exactly the, the formation. That's the way it, it comes about for most people. Mm. Yeah, it is an incredible experience, one of, one of those that kind of leaves you speechless. I know in my life I've 
probably have experienced that a couple times now, and maybe I'm just older, Joan, and I just, I prefer to just absolutely just have faith and just accept it. Um, So much better than trying to dissect it apart. Oh, yes. But, you know, we are a dissective type of of, uh, people, if Mm -hmm. that. Uh, We, we, it's hard for us to just lean back and say, hey, no problem. I was, um, doing a radio show once, and I was trying to explain that God wants us to take a risk now and then, and then he will do the rest. But we can't wait until he uh, comes and explains everything to us first. Mm -hmm. He wants us to take a step of faith because we're his children and to have the confidence in him that he, he will take that one little gesture. And I was, you know, kind of kind of stammering around with it. I wasn't really explaining it very well. Um, and some young woman called in, and she said, I think this is what you mean. And I love that when people do that. And she explained that she had once been coming home from work, and she had seen a flower vendor on the corner where she got off the bus, and this just somebody that was selling flowers. And he said to her, could you could you take these last two bouquets, huh? My feet are freezing. And she said, well, I don't have enough money for both of them. And he said, well, I'll give you the second one at half. Just take it. So she thought, I don't need all of these flowers, but she took it because she felt a little prodding mm-hmm. inside. It, and it didn't make any sense. And that's what I'm talking about is that kind of, hmm, I wonder why I'm supposed to do this. But anyway, she, being a wonderful person, took the second bouquet and was walking on towards her um, apartment, and she was passing a nursing home, which she passed every night, but she never had had grandparent relationships, and she always was a little nervous about old people. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will fall, or, you know, what should I do? This time around, she gets that little prod again, and it says, go in. And she said, I stood in the driveway of this house and argued with God and said, I am not going in there. I'll get arrested or something. But it was that prod. And she did. She went in, and there was a little old man sitting in a wheelchair all by himself. And she handed him one of the bouquets. She laid it on his lap and said, here, this is for you. God wants you to know that he loves you so much. Mm. And then she, she said, I ran out of there before a nurse would have come. Well, uh, six months later, everybody's out there at, um, they're having a barbecue out in the neighborhood and all that, and chances are, when we do something like this girl did, we never see a result or anything. It's just we have to operate on faith. And so she's out there, you know, talking to neighbors, and all of a sudden, here comes this little contingent of wheelchairs, and there's her, her guy, someone that she had never gone back to see or anything, He's sitting right in the first row, and he recognizes her, and they kind of connect. And he said, I want you to know that that day when you came, he said, I had been saving sleeping pills, and I had 30. And I was going to go upstairs, you know, at the end of the evening, which was in about an hour. Mm. And he said, I was going to say goodbye to this place. And he said, and then you came with the flowers. Well, you know, there was this silence on the radio set. You know, we all just realized we were in the presence of 
something marvelous, but also a wonderful girl mm-hmm. who had taken that step. So that's what I tell people. You, you have to help the angels help you. Um, when you feel that funny little thing, and we do, I think all of us kind of know what that flutter or goosebumps or something like that is. I just think that's that's God. We won't find it in the Bible, I know, but um, there are several things that aren't aren't there. <laughs> well, I would I I wholeheartedly agree because that prompting that flutter, what that is, I really truly believe is that angel, that messenger from God, who is prompting you, but you have to le- we have to learn to listen. Yes. I think it was St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the great mystical doctor of the church, one of them. He would say that if you wish to see, listen. Cause he, because hearing is a step toward vision. And if you can, if everything that you've always written about and everything that you've always offered to us and shared with us, Joan, have been those moments where it's in, they're encouragements to begin... People who are praying and are silent and are listening, you can begin to experience the invisible that God wants to reveal to you, the, the reality of the visible and the invisible of the, of the world that he has created completely for us. Oh, yes. That, that's absolutely the whole message right there. And people, their first response is, I'm not a saint. I can't do it. And I remember the first time someone asked me in a prayer group if I would um, take on a leadership role, Mm -hmm. and I was horrified um, because the first thing I said was, I'm not worthy, and I really meant that. It wasn't wasn't a false modesty or anything like that. I I felt that I would never be able to, um, you know, have my soul in shape enough to uh, do something that important, and... What I said was, um, I'm not worthy, and the fellow that was asking me, bless his heart, he said, well, I know you're not worthy, but if we waited till we were worthy, nothing would ever get done. And it it just took the whole um, fear factor out of it for me, mm-hmm. because this wasn't about me to begin with. This was simply um, about someone who volunteered to kind of um, let the prayers go through her and discern a little bit. Um, it wasn't anything all that huge, but it, it was a wonderful thing to have him say, oh, of course you can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> uh, and most of the time we're asked to do something with expectations. And, you know, a lot of times we can't we can't muster that, but the Holy Spirit can. Mm-hmm. If we just say, okay, I'll, I'll do it, I don't think I'll be very good at it, but I'll do it. And the more you, you take on little jobs like that, the more you find that it, <clears throat> it isn't you at all. God can work with anyone who says yes. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to miss anything yet. You don't have to uh, fix anything is what I'm thinking. I don't want to let our discussion go without mentioning a book that kind of really touched my heart about a year or two ago. For the first time in my life, I had a, a, a pet dog Aww. that I absolutely just I mean, even at my age, I just fell in love with this this beautiful little pug. And she, in my life, she was just pure love. I just love Bridget. And she died unexpectedly. Oh. And 
It was such, I was stunned at myself how heartbroken I was. depth of your grief. Yeah, and I have taken the theology classes. I've spoken to different people over the course of years about the question of whether or not what happens to the our animals. I know the, the Thomistic response and this, you know, and other types of responses to this, but I could not, I really struggled with the fact she can't just have disappeared. How does love evaporate? You know, oh. of that type of thing. How can this just be done? Because this, I mean, she was, well, I had this relationship with this pet. And my heart was struggling with what my, my mind was saying. And then I picked up Angelic Tales. It just happened. I just had just received it. And I started reading it. And I was so, so comforting. And I realized that, of course, if God is love, and my relationship and this little pet was just pure love to me that, of course, he doesn't destroy. You know, love returns to love. And the experience that I would later have a bridge, I mean, I'd be walking around the lake. And sometimes, you know, there were moments when I really felt her presence. So I know there are people out there that will, and even I know a few priests that may go, hmm, really? <laughs> And I would say, yeah, really, yeah. And, well, and that's what Angelic Tales, I just want to tell people oh, about that, because it so was so comforting nice. to my heart. That is, is so sweet. Um, I had the same feeling about what, what do we talk about um, when we want so much to believe that, angel, that um, pets will be there for us. And shortly thereafter, I came across something on the Internet which I, I usually wouldn't go there for my sources, mm-hmm. but this was uh, someone had written in and others had joined her stating that um, they, are, they believe that there's a little, they call it a bridge of some kind, mm-hmm. and the bridge is probably in, in heaven or close to it, and on the bridge wait all the dogs and cats that we've had as... Um, uh, pet owners, and they're all waiting for us to cross the bridge and come to them. Mm-hmm. And people have had little mini visions of this kind of thing, too. So, you know, I try never to put a value judgment on anything unless I, I know that it's specifically anti-Christ. Mm-hmm. But I just don't find that here. People that love pets and people that believe in angels just don't have a problem <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they, I, they just know that they know that they know. Yeah, a very, very holy, wise woman helped us to to bury Bridget in a very oh. beautiful, special spot out in Elkhorn, Nebraska. And she she looked at me and she said, and when she was helping us, you know, in that moment of separate physical separation, and she said, she came and she did what God brought her here to do. She did her deed very well. Oh. And that, I think, it, for those who have those kind of relationships, and, and I know priests that have just, too, feel that same, same, that same type of affection. And you just, I can't believe that God would not want us to feel a type of comfort when the detachment comes, mm-hmm. when that moment comes from a gift that he had given us that was so loving. Yes, I, I couldn't say it any better than that, and I didn't. Oh, and well, <laughs> I always enjoy 
giving the, a, a Joan Wester Anderson book to a friend and maybe even more selfishly sitting down and reading them again and again because you never really tire of the work no. that you bring forward to us. I it, It'd be very difficult to uh, it not just smile continually as you're reading these stories because there's almost like there's this affirmation on your shoulder just pat and you say see see Mm -hmm. so i just thank you for all the work and anybody out there listening to you can always trust your work joan i wish we had more time any final thoughts for us today well i would think to just remember that when jesus was in the garden having his suffering um The Bible says that an angel came to comfort him. In some um, instances, an angel came to to lift him up. And an angel didn't come to take the suffering away from him, but to be with him in it. And so often we look at angels and think, well, why don't they fix things? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not their job right now. Maybe it's just to stand there and be with us. Mm -hmm. That's right. Just to listen so that you can see them. Joan Wester Anderson, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for everything you offer to us. Oh, thank you, Chris. I'm just blessed to be part of the Catholic faith. Mm, Amen. With Joan Wester Anderson, we've gone inside the pages of many of her books, including An Angel to Watch Over Me and Angelic Tales. To learn more about her books or to obtain copies, go to LoyolaPress.com. To hear and or to download this discussion along with many others, go to DiscerningHearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.